Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church at home once again. I'm Pastor Scott, and I'm going to be leading our time together this morning. And today is, well, it's May the 3rd. It's an absolutely beautiful spring day. And if you're a gardener, uh, they say that right now is the time to be sure you've got your garden in the ground. I mean, if you haven't already done it, today's the day. Right now is the time. Get that garden planted. I grew up on the outskirts of Atlanta, kind of in between the big farms and the urban sprawl. And almost everyone in that day had gardens in their backyards. And some of them were pretty serious gardens uh, that would provide us with a bountiful supply of tomatoes and squash and okra and corn and peppers and green beans, making me hungry talk about it. But uh, just an awesome variety of vegetables. And there was always enough for our tables to be kept supplied with good food, uh, enough to share with other people, and even enough to put away for the winter months. It was, it was wonderful. Well, the Bible, and Jesus in particular, uses agricultural terms to talk about the care of our soul and about spiritual realities. Jesus would talk about gardens and seeds and vines and fruit trees uh, that would be planted, and they would become fruitful or not some, in some cases. And they had to be tended for, cared for, and protected from enemies. But they were designed to be healthy and fruitful and to teach us about spiritual reality. Now, in Jesus' day, almost everybody understood the language of a farmer because they depended upon the earth and God's blessing upon their crops to sustain their lives and to survive. So these would be very, very powerful analogies that they could relate to. We today, we may or may not be farmers or even gardeners, but you and I have a living soul that needs to be cared for. We have a, a living spiritual life that has to be tended. It's got to be fed and nourished and cared for and protected. So this morning, for a few moments, I'd like to talk about three realities for having a, a healthy soul. And some of these things will actually help you with your garden if you're going to plant that later on this afternoon. So let's read today from Mark chapter 4, if you want to take your Bible, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. And uh, this is Jesus teaching, and he says, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell upon the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Others fell upon the rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came out, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out. It didn't produce any fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, even 100 times over. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Now, a few verses down, he has to unpack this for the disciples. They come to him and go, what was that about? Talk to us about it. And he, he begins to explain that the sower is the person who's sowing the, the word, the, the word of God, that the seed is the living word of God that's able to bring life. And the soil, well, that's us. That's our soul, the condition of our soul. And God's desire is for us to receive this life implanted and for our souls to become beautiful, fruitful, and overflowing, an overflowing garden of life. So I, I want you to think for a few moments, use your imagination and view your soul as a garden, 
And let's talk about what kind of garden it can be. The fact is, God has invited us to partner with him into creating a pretty awesome garden uh, in our soul. So how do we do this? How do we cooperate with God? This morning, let's just kind of hit the pause button in our life for a few moments and picture yourself, your living soul, as a garden that must be tended. And let's ask this question, how do I tend to the garden of my soul? Well, the first thing with any garden you have to do is receive a vision. You've got to envision it. You've got to picture it. We have to have a vision of what it can be inside of our mind, inside of our heart, what the garden of our soul or our inner life could look like. Not long ago, I was cleaning out my garage and I ran across what, what I had drawn out as the master plan for one of our vegetable gardens a few years ago. And I'd actually sketched out on paper the garden and I'd drawn out the dimensions and where the rows would go and what would be planted in each one. And I envisioned the garden long before it was planted. I could see it in my mind. I, I could see where I was going to plant the corn so that it wouldn't cast a shadow over other plants and, and where the tomatoes and the peppers and the squash would all go. So the first thing with planting any garden of any kind, what really of building anything, is to have a vision. What is God's vision for our soul? What is this intention? I would really love for you to sit with this for a moment and ask yourself, if my soul is a garden, what does a loving, benevolent, generous God desire my soul to look like? Remember, this is, this is God, a loving God, benevolent God. Remember, God, he designed the first garden, the Garden of Eden, and it was not shabby at all. Uh, remember the fruit of the Spirit um, that Paul describes? Pretty rich fruit. You know, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Remember, he's, he's kind of giving us a picture of what he desires the indwelling spirit to produce inside of us. So that's kind of what our garden should look like. So we, we know that, that Jesus uses this, this same analogy to talk about what our life is to be like. And the Bible talks about Jesus actually being the perfect picture of what God's desire for us, that his character is shaped in us, that we take on the likeness of Jesus. So we, we know with gardens that weeds and distractions of this world are not his desire for us, just like guilt and shame and defeat and anger and anxiety and fear and distress are not. These are the things that are rode away and eat away at our soul. So let me ask you, what would it look like if your soul was flourishing? And this is an important question, and it really needs to be brought before our hearts because here's why it's important. Our hearts need to be brought into agreement with God, agreement with his will, his good intention, his desires for us. Remember my backyard garden I was talking about? I planted it in my mind long before I planted it in my yard. I had a clear picture of what I was aiming for. And I, I got into agreement so that my work was in agreement with what the vision was. This is actually what the renewal of the mind is all about. It's, it's bringing our mind into agreement with God. Paul wrote in Romans 12, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 
So we allow God's word, his seed, to be planted in our hearts and in our minds. And as we receive it and dwell upon it and imagine it and picture it and get into agreement that it's, it's good uh, and allow Christ to be formed in us, the garden of our soul can begin to sprout. It begins to grow. And God wants to, to give us a renewed picture of our soul so that we can see it, agree with him, and receive it into our heart. But if you know anything about gardening, you know that there is more involved. When I looked at my first garden plan, and then I went out and looked at my garden spot, it did not match up. So the second reality to a healthy garden or a healthy soul is that we have to remove what doesn't belong. If you've ever had any kind of garden before, you know that there's a lot of things that you didn't necessarily plant that pop up and pop up and pop up. You know, I'm talking about weeds. I didn't plant them in my garden, but it was like the soil was enriched with weed seeds. There was a constant battle to deal with them. But as I, I did battle with them, eventually my good crop began to grow. It became taller, stronger, and it prevailed in my garden. Jesus refers to weeds in this parable. And he relates, them, relates to them as being worries and distractions and desires that are all contrary to his will. And they have to be ruthlessly dealt with because if not, they'll choke the life literally right out of us. So how do we deal with things that show up in our soul when we look at our garden and we go, there's some stuff showing up that, that shouldn't be there. How do we deal with that? Well, we humbly and honestly admit these things to God. We bring them to him. We agree with him that these don't belong in our garden. This is not your will. And we kill them with honesty, confession, and repentance before God. We have to ruthlessly be honest with, without falling into self-hatred because it, it, it's really easy to start beating ourselves up, and that's not God's plan either. Remember, we're, we're actually trying to care for our souls here, not destroy them with condemnation and harsh judgment or self-hatred. In fact, uh, for some of us, that might even be one of the weeds that need to be removed, along with any other agreements that we've made with the enemy about ourself and about our self-worth. Those are weeds. But, but we allow God to remove the things that hurt us. And, and yes, it's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. I was pulling weeds almost the whole time that I had a garden back there. But, but with ourselves, we have to be honest, but we also have to be kind with ourselves because so is God. He is kind with us. And we're going to talk more about that next week. So if you looked at the garden of your soul right now, let me ask you, what things do you see that need to be addressed? What things need to have some light shined upon them and examined to distinguish, is this a weed or is this a fruit-bearing thing that God has planted here? And what we do when we see the things that don't belong, we welcome Jesus into these places because he is the Savior who came to take away the sin of the world. We bring them to the cross. We lay them down there before him in confession and repentance, and we ask for God's forgiveness and is cleansing because he is a master gardener and he knows how to deal with them. So 
Envision is the first thing. We go back to the master plan, God's original intention for us, the, and we envision the garden of our soul that God desires, and we then allow him to work at removing anything that is harmful to your soul. Important. We've got to have that vision. We've got to know and be in agreement with God of what he desires and he has designed for us. And then we move on to one more thing that I'll mention today. We practice what nurture and health and growth for our soul looks like. What we, in other words, we, we, we find out and practice what will help our soul grow. And we practice what will help our soul be healthy. When you plant a garden, of course, you want to you place the seed in an environment that is conductive to health and growth. That any, anything, anything that's alive, it has to be nurtured. It has to be cared for. Um, remember in the parable that Jesus is giving here, there was some soil that was that was shallow or it was hard and it didn't even allow the seed to go in. It didn't provide an environment conductive to growth. And so what happened was the new life, it withered, it dried up and it died. The reality is anything living has to be nurtured except maybe kudzu. That's a whole other thing. But any living thing of value has to be nurtured and be cared for. You can't just drop a seed in the ground and walk away till the fruit comes and then come back a couple months later when the tomato tomatoes are there and go up and grab a tomato, snag it off the vine and go make a, a real sweet BLT. No, no. It, that has to be cared for and tended and nurtured and watered and fed. It has to be staked so that the, it will grow straight and up. It has to be protected from the little things that want to come and harm it. And of course, it has to be protected from the weeds. Or a baby, for example. When you bring a baby home from the hospital, you don't just drop it in the cradle and toss a bottle in from time to time and say, here you go, kid, knock yourself out. No, I mean, your whole life revolves around caring and nurturing and loving and feeding and caring for this, this baby. No, living things need nurturing, whether it's a plant or a child or a relationship or a family or your spiritual life. It needs intentional, purposeful care and nurturing. Peter Scazzaro, in his great book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, tells how early Christians would develop a plan to help them grow and stay on track spiritually, and they called it a rule of life. Now, don't let that word rule turn you off. The word rule actually comes from the Greek word from, from which we get trellis. You know what a trellis is? It's a, it's a framework that enables a grape plant, a grapevine, to get off the ground and to grow upwards so that it becomes more fruitful and productive. So the early Christians would look in the Bible, and they would look in their lives, and they would ask a great question, one that we should ask. What helps me grow spiritually? What tends to my soul? What helps me stay connected? What helps me stay headed in the right direction? What what is it that I can do that will challenge the wayward tendencies that I have and initiate where course corrections need to take place from time to time in my life? I would really love for you to sit with this question for a few moments today and maybe sketch out and write your thoughts, maybe develop your own trellis, your own rule of life. What are the things that tune your heart to God? 
What encourages you and spurs you on? Maybe you see it help other people, but really ask the question, what helps you and tunes your heart? And I'm not talking about rigid rules or laws that we self-impose upon ourselves and other people so that everybody's miserable. No, no. What, what helps you become more like Jesus? What shapes your character to be more like him? What helps you become more loving, more humble, more willing to yield your heart, more aware of spiritual realities? Remember the first reality we talked about? The vision that God has for us, his good intention. What helps you become what God desires for you? We bring our heart into agreement with him. So a rule of life, a trellis, is like a list of habits where we know these things aid me in my pursuit of God. And when you can develop something like that that works for you, that creates rhythms for your life, listen, it's pure gold. It's it's life-giving. It's not duty or have to. It's life-giving. And this is what your heart was made for. This is what God designed for you as the, the great gardener when he looked at your soul it's, it's to be a soul that flourishes. It's to be a soul that is protected. It's to be a soul that is in alignment with him, that can be healthy and fruitful and, and God-honoring. So my purpose in our time together today was not to drop some heavy theological truths. We're not splitting atoms here. No, it's, it's a simple uh, practice of hitting the pause button and asking, how is the condition of my soul? And what is God's vision for me? Do I have that vision? Do I share that vision? Can I get into agreement? Can I articulate God's vision for me? And if so, how can I cooperate with what is God's good intentions for me? What would help the garden of my soul be what God delights and desires for it to be? I pray today that this will just kind of stir your heart, your mind up to uh, imagine to dream with God, to sit with him, and invite and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today. So if you would, allow me to pray with you as we close our time out. I just want to pray over us today. Father, we are so thankful for this time that we could spend with you and spend together today. We're thankful that we are united with you and that we can be united with other people in this journey together. I I pray, Father, that you would water the gardens of our soul, that you would nourish us, that you would help us to catch the vision of what you desire for us and bring our hearts into agreement with you and help us weed out of our soul everything that's not in agreement with you so that our hearts are tuned and in line with your will. And we could pray your will would be done in our lives, that your kingdom would come, Lord. Father, would you rid our um, our soul of any enemies? Just help us root those things out. Help us to spot them and identify them and humbly and honestly come before you. Remove uh, any weeds of temptation, of shame, accusation, guilt, or condemnation, anything that eats away or erodes our soul. And we pray that you would forgive us of of our sins and cleanse us, Lord, of anything that robs us of your joy. 
You spoke over people, Jesus. You, you continue to with words of life, not death. Help us root out anything that does not promote your life within us. And help us to confess, agree with you, uh, the things that, that you desire to bring forth in our life. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to each one of us today. Help us identify the, the practices, the habits, the, the rhythms we could get into that would promote spiritual health and growth for us, that would help uh, shape the character of Christ in us. And I pray your blessings over each person uh, today, each household, each family, each single. We, we also pray, Father, for a healing uh, across the world, the entire globe. We pray, Lord, for the removal of the coronavirus, the defeat of that. And uh, we, we know that you draw near to those that are hurting and bring comfort. So we, we lift up by name right now uh, people that we know that may be suffering physically or financially or emotionally in any way. And we thank you that you hear this concert of prayer that is taking place today. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.